Hi, everybody. This is Norman with our podcast, our daily podcast, Might As Well Jump, sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring second language learner. We are in episode four of season one, and we're talking about second language learners. The title of today's episode is Setting Effective Objectives, Some Things to Consider. You know, about a few months ago, I was working with my daughter in math because she had quite a bit to catch up on. She'd been having some challenges with math, and we had to start from scratch, work together for several weeks in order to catch up for her to pass her exams, in order for her to successfully pass her exams. And as we went through the program, there was quite a lot of material to cover. And I think at that moment, when she looked at it, she must have been thinking, how am I going to get all this done? How am I going to do all this? And the answer that I had for her was, we're going to break it down. We have a large objective, a big goal that we're trying for, and we're going to break it down into its smaller parts. We're going to add some deadlines for each part, and we're going to work them. And we go back to two things, two, two adages, I think, that are very, very common. And the first one is, is the, the riddle, how do you eat an elephant? Well, I think we're all familiar with the answer. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And you focus on each single bite at a time. The second is really a lesson that I heard from a, an educator, uh, a Canadian educator named John Canary, who said, you never know how to reach a goal until you've reached it. So we're looking at a situation where we may have a very large overriding goal. Let's imagine that we're learning our new language, we're learning our second language, whatever that might be, and that second language is new to us, completely new to us. We are at a zero level, and we would like to reach, um, what could I say, a decent level of fluency, a level where we can communicate effectively in social situations, where we can go and handle administrative tasks, where we can make friends in the new language. So we're pretty far from that if we're starting at a zero. And that type of goal could seem enormous. It could seem so big that a person would think, there's really no way that I can reach this goal, or I don't really see how we can do it. And so it's really important that we take into consideration certain ideas, principles, certain things that we need to act on in order to set effective objectives. You see, one of the things that when it comes to language learning that we really should keep in mind is the nature of the objectives. Are they action biased? Do it, are you in a situation where you're going to have to perform. By perform, I mean communicate with other people. Or also maybe having to pass a test, 
having to pass a standardized test. So choosing a large overriding objective and breaking it down into its component parts is really one of the probably the the best way to methodically move forward and learn a language. Now, what are those component parts? Well, that's going to depend on the context. And there are basically three general contexts at least that I can that I have identified during uh, the years that I have spent uh, teaching and managing in the language industry. And it's either knowledge acquisition, plain and simple, I want to acquire knowledge, preparing for a standardized exam, or being able to effectively communicate across a broad or a limited range of contexts. What are those contexts? Those contexts will depend on your particular situation. It could be at work, and even then, the context at work could be very particular. It might be uh, dealing with superiors, it could be participating in meetings, and then we go even deeper than that. We're not going to get into that right now. But the objectives, as I said before, could be simply acquiring knowledge. I need to understand, I need to know uh, the grammar, how it works, particular tenses, particular vocabulary, and there is very little need for me to communicate with it. That's a minority of people. Then we've got the standardized exams. We have in English, for example, you've got Cambridge, TOEIC, TOEFL, IELTS, Business English Certificate. There are many standardized tests that we need to prepare for in order to have a particular certification that can declare and confirm that we've reached a particular level. And then we have the daily type of language learning, which is to be able to effectively communicate. There are people who are able to explain or at least understand. They understand the grammar. They can get a good grade on a standardized test, and they're not necessarily good communicators. So the objectives can work together and or they can work separately. Now, there are some questions that we need to answer, some questions that need answering in order to start creating a plan, uh, in order to create an, uh, an objective plan. And the first question is, what is my overall deadline? By when do I have to reach the big objective? Have I set a deadline? I don't think there's anything that can make a person feel more uncomfortable and also more action-prone, for lack of a better word, than to have a deadline. With a deadline, it's kind of your connection with reality. I can go on and do my, my activities and whatever they may be, but until I have a deadline, a particular, as we would say, quote-unquote delivery date, that I can, I can comfortably remain separated from reality to a certain degree. And so the moment that we set a deadline, boom, we've got pressure. It's real. The second thing we need to consider is how much time am I willing to commit on a regular basis 
to the pursuit of my objectives? How much time am I willing to commit to this? How much of my time? On a regular basis, I would say, how much time are you willing to commit every day in order to achieve this particular objective? And that is something that is not necessarily easy to do because that really requires a commitment. We, as we go deeper into this into this project of learning another language, we are challenged at each step to be truly transparent with ourselves as regards our level of earnestness. How badly do you want this? Are you in earnest? Because as we go deeper into our project, we are going to realize that it requires most likely more work, more effort, a little more sacrifice than what we may have bargained for. So it becomes super important. Which is my overall deadline? How much time am I willing to commit on a regular basis to my goals? And this is where you might need this third step is where you might need some help from a language training professional or a coach in order to answer this question or to set these parameters. What are the milestone objectives and what is the deadline for reaching each one? I used to live in Miami uh, many years ago and quite often we would drive down to the Florida Keys, down to Key West. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's really a lovely place. It gets hit by a lot of hurricanes nowadays, but it's a beautiful place. And on the road down to Key West, where I would have my, my favorite key lime pie, there were mile markers counting down the miles, right? Miles is American for kilometers, right? And we would count down the miles before we arrived at, at Key West, you know, mile marker 90, then, you know, whatever, and go down to 89, 85, 80. And so we had these milestones that would tell us how close we were getting to our final destination. And when it comes to learning another language, or at, which is where we're applying this whole idea of objectives, you need milestone objectives. What are they? And how much time? What are the deadlines for each one? Each milestone objective needs to have its own deadline. So that step by step, you're, you're moving from deadline to deadline as you approach the larger goal. It can be uncomfortable. It can really take you out of your comfort zone because it becomes, if you are serious about what you're trying to achieve, then it becomes a constant presence, something that is always there, either in the front of your mind or lurking somewhere in the back. And once again, the deeper we go into the realization that we must do perhaps more than what we thought, then you're confronted once again with the final arbiter, who's you? It happens to be you. Are you in earnest? Do you really want to do this? Maybe you really have to. 
Sometimes we are obliged to learn another language. I know I was. I was obliged to do it twice. But that was in, in the second instance in pursuit of a very cherished objective. So I did what I had to do. I'll be telling that story in another episode. So basically, if you look at the steps that we've done, we've set the large objective. We know what we want. We know what we want to reach. One of the three areas that we talked about. We've set a deadline. We've made a decision on the amount of time that we're willing to commit to our project. And we've also set milestone objectives. In the process, we may have gotten some help from a language professional, language training professional, a coach, what have you. And when we talk about this whole idea of goal setting, I'm reminded of my own experience, quite recent actually, just a couple of years ago, when I decided to go for my my professional project management certification, PMP. Now, in this particular case, my overall objective was to get a passing grade. <clears throat> uh, as far as acquiring knowledge is concerned, yes, as long as it served my exam. So I did it. Now, how effective was I in reaching my milestone objectives? I think I was okay. I believe that I... I, I reached my objectives, I would say 80, I was 80% effective in reaching my milestone objectives, in completing the chapters I needed to complete, and uh, it worked. It really worked. What the milestone objectives gave me was a methodical imperative, an imperative to work methodically. I am married, I have three kids, I work... I have a lot on my plate, just like everybody else. So I really needed that thread of methodical activity that I had to execute on a regular basis to keep me going. It doesn't mean I didn't want it. I was in earnest with myself. I really wanted it. Maybe not for the most profound reasons, but I wanted it and I was willing to do what I needed to do in order to successfully sit my exam. When it came to the milestone evaluation points, it didn't go very well. I did not hit most of my evaluation percentages that I wanted. Did not. I kept learning. I kept on acquiring the information and learning, and it's interesting because as I was doing that, I was also learning about myself. And I was leveraging other aspects of my approach, of my personality, that I could use on the exam. And by doing so many timed activities, and I mean timed, by doing so many timed activities, what came out was that I developed a very precise sense of time. And even more importantly than that, the clock no longer scared me. The clock became my friend. 
And that's not a bad thing when you're taking a standardized test of four hours. So how did that consistent, regular practice help me? Well, I learned. I'm sure I learned some stuff. I did. I became comfortable with the question types. But most importantly, I became comfortable working with the time constraints. The clock became my friend. And I worked hard enough and long enough to discover certain strategies that worked for me. And I realized that by working calmly through, I think I prepared for three months for this particular uh, exam, and by preparing methodically, I became comfortable with the material. I didn't know all of it. No, I did not. I did not know all of it. I became very familiar with a lot of it. I understood uh, the formulas. I memorized what I needed to memorize. I got comfortable with the format of the questions. But most importantly, I became super comfortable with the time constraints. And that really helped me. On the day of the exam, I had my timing strategy all laid out. And that helped me stay calm because I remember sitting there in front of my computer because it was all computerized, the test. I hadn't practiced on computer. I had practiced with pencil and paper. Didn't bother me. Didn't faze me. As a matter of fact, it was helpful because they had a nice little clock in the right-hand corner of the screen. And I was able to follow my, my time and I was able to ensure that I had a little margin going in. Because on this exam, there was no break. The break time came out of your four hours. So I had to, what's the word I want to use? I had to prepare for having a margin. So I could take a break at the two hour mark, eat a little candy bar, drink some water, and get back into the test. And I did exactly that. So it kept me very calm knowing I had an approach. That worked for me, even though a lot of the questions, when I saw them, as it worked with so many of these professional exams, I felt that there were so many questions that I really wasn't sure of. I wasn't sure of their answers. So I followed my approach. I stayed calm. I never wavered from the approach I had refined for myself, and I passed the test. I can send you the, the, uh, uh, the copy of the results if you don't believe me. I passed. Did I pass with a sterling, what's the, what do we want to say, with flying colors? I'm not sure about that. The minimum grade was 70%. I probably got 75. I'll take it. I was very happy with it. I was very happy because it really was a new subject for me. And I was so impressed, not by myself, but I was impressed by the, the effectiveness of, particular, of a particular approach, an approach that was methodical, consistent, calm, it almost became inevitable that I would pass. It was a great feeling. And these are the types of benefits that we have 
when we set objectives. We set deadlines, we calmly move forward, and we do so on a regular basis. We do so every day. Now, when it comes to your language training program, whatever that might be, if we're going to be looking at, for example, that you really need to learn your target language in order to communicate more effectively, well then, you're going to need to become clear on what it is you're going to need to know in order to do so. And for that, you can count on a, a good language professional who understands that your need is to communicate. Your need is to participate in your community in some way, be it professionally, be it as a parent talking for their children in front of a, their doctor, in front of their teacher, in front of an administrator, whatever that is, the, the language professional who understands that will help you and will be delighted to help you understand the criteria, what you need to know in order to be able to do whatever it is that you've projected. You know, I, setting objectives for me has, has never not worked. Despite setbacks, temporary failures, etc., etc., as I usually say, but it's never not worked in the end. It's a very powerful approach. It's a very powerful set of tools that you can use, setting objectives with deadlines. And if you have trouble doing it on your own, contact a language professional, a language training professional whom you trust and whose opinion you value, whose point of view you value, and get them to help you. Thank you so much for your time. We will be back tomorrow with episode five of our season one. Might as well jump sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring second language learner. Have a great day and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.